Hello, my name is Leszek Jaszczewski. Welcome to the Liberal Europe podcast, a European Liberal Forum project. I hope you'll enjoy our program. Hello, my name is Leszek Jaszczewski. Welcome to Liberal Europe podcast. I have a very special guest today. We're moving beyond Europe, but as you'll see, this is actually extremely important also from European perspective. We're going to talk today about Brazil and Brazilian elections, which happened recently. My guests today are my uh, fellow colleagues from the Blavatnik School of Government, Cecilia Guevara Zagran. Welcome. Thank you. And Vitor Thomas. Thank Welcome, you. Pleasure Victor. to be here. Thank you so much for accepting uh, uh, the invitation uh, at this very special time for Brazil. So let's start. We've been together, I mean, especially you guys, uh, following the, the, the elections, the, the results, and the stakes were very high. And uh, tell me why. Tell us why. So um, the stakes were very high for, for a number of reasons, right? I think that Bolsonaro is more a symptom of the world that we live in right now. And he's trying, my perception is that he was trying to perfect uh, the Victor Urban playbook that Trump also tried to follow more or less. And his winning or losing these past elections would really be a testament to, to the fact, effectiveness of this playbook. And the fact that he was able to go to actually increase his popularity after the pandemic, after his disastrous uh, uh, conducting of the pandemic with more than 700,000 Brazilians dead, uh, many different types of scandals, uh, even with involving downright corruption in the purchase of, of vaccines, he was able to, to come out more popular than in the beginning, which uh, was really... Um, confirmed in the election that he lost for less than 2%. So it's less than 2 million votes uh, in uh, 100 and I think 120 million people voting. So and I, I think it just goes to show uh, about Victor's, Victor's point about how it's important for the for the bigger context about polarization in the world. So we do have a very polarized environment right now. And Bolsonaro only has this kind of popularity because the other side also has a great uh, hatred even in Brazil from uh, all that the process that we had about uh, facing corruption, but also a lot of narratives, fake news, and how that's being built for the last maybe 10 years, I'd say. Mm -hmm. um, so what we had in this election was a very polarized election because Bolsonaro has a lot of disapproval, but the other side has really high disapproval as well. So that's why... That's why it was really close. And when you look at polarization indexes in Brazil, this is the highest it has ever been. So we had never seen this in, in policy before, politics in Brazil before. So I guess the hope now is how do we come back to actually being able to dialogue, have dialogue in politics, talk to each other, even citizens, uh, because what, what Victor brings is very important. How, how do we have a government so unsuccessful that's almost re-elected? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's all I wanted to ask you. It's, 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 so from the outside, it, you can say it's a defeat of, of the message of Bolsonaro, that, that it's not kind of nationalistic, populistic, all, all, often spreading disinformation, but just two percentage points. So yeah. can you say this is really a defeat of simply, you know, maybe it was just he, he had a worse day. And so that actually the, the, the future of polarization in Brazil, that doesn't look so bright because there's big, he still has a lot of support. Absolutely. Uh, I don't think it was a defeat. 
It was just maybe not the optimal outcome, but uh, uh, Bolsonaro was, uh, he left presidency in a really strong stance. And I think that he, although most people have, might have looked uh, this past few weeks in which was, he was um, not appearing in a lot, a lot, he took some time to acknowledge the, the victory of Lula. And even when he sort of did, uh, it was not an actual acknowledgement. I think it was a very skillful movement of his. He because he asserted his power. He asserted his uh, the the strength of this uh, right wing movement with a very significant part of it in the extreme right. So in his announcement that was less than two minutes long, one of the things that he says is that Brazil finally has a right wing movement, and I am proud to be the leader of that movement. And when you think that uh, Bolsonaro left with less than two percent, with a less than two percent margin over uh, behind Lula, and that he has his eldest son in the Senate, his second eldest son in the in Congress, and his two other sons in politics, yeah. I don't see how this is a loss. Uh, he might not be in the leading position, but uh, he's not going away anytime soon. So yeah. he lost the battle, not the not, not the, the war, not the, not, the, no, not the war, right? Yeah, and you have his direct family uh, in power positions, and you also have a lot of politicians w which now identify with Bolsonarismo and that uh, right wing movement, mm -hmm. and they see how it gets <coughs> get votes. You know, people do support that, so they have been identifying more and more with "I'm a supporter of Bolsonaro" to be able to be elected. I think it's for us to see right now which of those will actually follow through with Bolsonaro-type uh, politics and actual public policy, or will come to the center now that Lula uh, is elected. And mm -hmm. I just want to say that, though it was a very tiny difference, I think this is the first time we have not re-elected a president. Mm -hmm. And Team Power says something that I think it's really yeah. interesting about how incumbency matters. So the person who is in power um, gets a lot of advantage because they do use the the machine, the government machine, to uh, you know do policy and get votes and all of that. So uh, it is uh, it's new for us to not reelect a president. So maybe that's the other side yeah. of. And on that note, I think two other important things is that uh, a counter argument on whether Bolsonaro left on a strong position or not, is that never in Brazilian history has uh, a president used the public uh, machine in uh, to advance his own election. The, the sheer amount of money that he put into uh, downright buying votes, right? Uh, yeah. uh, with the secret budget, with he lengthened the emer emergency yeah. uh, cash transfers we cash had in transfers. Brazil because of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, so a lot of money to actually buy votes and subsidize also petrol and gasoline prices because that yes, was something that was worrying a lot Brazil. And cash that the it was natural class. in the kind of energy crisis, or you see it as a basically kind of like political move. Political. It was move. a political move because oh, now absolutely. we have a big hole in budget for the next few yes. years because of all of that that Vita mm -hmm. mentioned. So it's going to be a really hard economic uh, scenario also for Lula in the coming years. Yeah. Maybe it's time to talk about Lula a little bit because it's a, it's a big comeback. And uh, I think uh, not, I, I mean, maybe some people expected when he left office, but uh, to what extent uh, this, his kind of like difficult past um, was an issue in the campaign and to what extent it's like 
the, the time when Lula ruled, I think, are widely remembered as kind of like a golden era in the recent Brazilian history. So I wonder to what extent his kind of personal tra problems troubled the, the voters in the campaign or it was basically forgotten. Was it like an issue? The, um... Oh, yes, it was a big issue, <laughs> yeah. I'd say. I would say it's, it's the, 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 biggest, the, the, the big issue, right? Yeah. But so, didn't prevent him from being a president. So I wonder, it, like, it almost did. It did. Yeah. So okay. his big disapproval <laughs> comes from the corruption uh, scandals and how people attached him to that and him being arrested. And people have uh, also trouble separating what's what in that area. And I guess for people who disapprove, so half the country who disapproves Lula and votes for Bolsonaro, um, they kind of forget about what the actual Lula government was because... I think if you think about indicators in the country for education, for environment, even for anti-corruption, it was a pretty, I'd say, successful government in advancing uh, all of those, at least uh, a little bit. Some people actually wish it was more to the left, even. Uh, but those scandals actually took over the narratives and people's minds for, for the past few years, especially with Bolsonaro in power. So I think that was the main issue for the elections. Yeah, I, I was uh, mentioning to Leszek that uh, in Brazil, you have a saying that Brazil is not for beginners. And I think that uh, trying to make sense of what happened uh, in the past eight years in Brazil is, is not an easy task because uh, things are... Uh, the, the amount of detail uh, in these stories and how things unfolded yeah. is extremely complex. So... Uh, we even within Brazil, people don't understand, and I don't think we'll ever be able to really understand what happened. Uh, so you have uh, the, the half of the population that is aligned with both, that supported Bolsonaro in these elections. Uh, um, the, the the big question that they ask is, how is it possible that one day Lula was in jail and the next day he was not? And to the other part of the population, the question was. How was uh, Judge Sergio Moro able to use the public machine to accuse Lula of these things uh, unjustly, right? So was it unjust? Was Lula guilty of what he did? Um, it's extremely hard to, to pinpoint. What I think is less hard to do is to look at how um, politics evolved during the... Um, uh, the impeachment process of Dilma Rousseff in 2016 and also the, the persecution of Lula, in which it was very clear that both sides were, were willing uh, to use every weapon at hands in order to win over the, the other side. And I think that was a, a very important moment in which our, our democracy started to fracture to a point of no return, perhaps. Yeah. Um, so the, the case of Dilma, to this day, half the population says it was a coup d'etat and half the population uh, uh, strongly supports it. Yeah. Can you can you unravel a little bit? I, I just wondered to, to Cecilia, to what extent, I mean, you can explain like, like, I mean, maybe not what happened, but what, what's your take on this? To what extent we can say from it's been like six years, right? From the evidence has been revealed that actually there were like the criminal charges against uh, against Lula were actually justified. Is it like is it like possible to tell or? 
he wasn't convicted, right, in the end. So Yeah, uh, there are two things involved, I think, when people talk about uh, corruption scandals in Lula's government. So there was the scandals in the government, which he it was never actually traced back to him. But people do blame him a lot because he was the well the president. So scandals in uh, with Odebrecht and Petrobras and all of that. So Operation how, yeah. uh, no. how is yeah. he to blame or not? And how in that they used a couple of judicial mechanisms to blame leadership that appointed the people who are actually corrupt for the corruption, which is not I don't I don't know if that should be considered fair game, still a discussion in Brazil. Uh, and then there is his actual prosecution for uh, basically a house that he would have gotten in the beach for uh, corruption, um, and uh, which is was the actual accusation. That was Lula's specific accusation and why he was arrested. I don't think there's, I, I honestly don't know, and I don't feel comfortable to comment if it's sure or not what he did or did not do. Uh, I think it's well established that the judicial process of it was not how it should have been, and it was yeah, very... It was extremely manipulated, extreme, right? And uh, politically used. Yeah, uh, in, in very... Day. I think that yeah. to, to the, the the merit of whether Lula should have gone to jail or not is questionable. It's very hard, for, especially for us uh, lay people looking from the outside, but the way that the process was carried was clearly undue. So uh, just a few examples. Uh, there are leaked audios that came a few years after the, the trials in which Judge Sergio Moro was discussing the, the case with the prosecutor, dis discussing strategies to, to be able to, to actually uh, um, advance the accusation of Lula. There were also selective leaks to, to, the, um, to the press in very... Uh, opportune moments to drive the public opinion. They even leaked an audio from Dilma while she was president talking to Lula because there was a um, opportunity for him to become a minister uh, and that way he would be judged by the our Supreme Court in that case if he became a uh, minister in, in her government, blah, blah, blah. But then they were recording um, Dilma's uh, phone uh, after it was already meant not to be anymore, like it was already right. illegal, and Moro actually leaked those audios of their conversations. Just a few weeks so before you're, you're the leaking election. the president's com private conversations. I think that's like mm -hmm. unthinkable, and yeah. Brazil was fine with it. So I think that's actually I know that might be getting into too many details, but mm -hmm. I think what you're describing can actually be convincing argument why Lula was actually elected because this there didn't seem to be like independent judicial process, right? So trial in which he went or um, but let's talk more about his agenda on which he was elected. To what extent? was like the comeback to good old times and to what extent he offered like a, a new vision of Brazil and can he really implement it? So does he have a majority and can he control the institutions and what are the people around him who would be doing the job? He does not have a majority in Congress, I think it's safe to say, but people who would identify as right if Bolsonaro was elected might be shifting to center uh, now that Lula will be in power. So I think that's Again, for us to see, people will go with the flow on this case. So maybe, and he's a really good politician in bringing those people closer. So I think that's going to be uh, something interesting to see. Also, I think his goal right now will be to 
you know, reconciliate and have, you know, a very center government to try and decrease polarization. So he's already meeting with, you know, a lot of politicians and a lot of different uh, ideology spectrums, bringing in civil society, businessmen. So I think he's going to reach out just to everyone to make this government the more diverse, uh, politically wise as possible. Vitor, do you think yeah. it's possible that he can kind of break this polarization because he's a polarizing figure mm -hmm. himself. Yes. It's possible to for him now he's a president to like raise across the aisle to the mm -hmm. other side. Uh, absolutely. I think that uh, uh, what happens now will be extremely defining for the, the years to come, uh, not only for Brazil, but for other countries that might be uh, suffering from uh, an erosion of democracy. Uh, because depending on how things unfold, if he's successful in bringing economic prosperity, getting Brazil back on track to, to development uh, while preventing uh, corruption, then he might be successful in, in making Bolsonaro re less relevant. Because I think one important thing of Bolsonaro is that a uh, large share of his relevance stems from being in opposition to Lula. Yeah. Right. Uh, but then all, again, if he fails, if there is corruption in his government or if he's unable to get Brazil back on a healthy track of development, then I think Bolsonaro will emerge. And in a second election, I think he will be extremely powerful. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to be really hard for Lula to succeed when we think about economics and development, because, well, every country is having a hard time right now after the pandemic. I don't <clears> think it's a good scenario for anyone. And we do have a very serious um, situation about budget for the next few years. So it's going to be a hard task to accomplish. And I don't think he's going to ever 100% uh, dissociate from what happened in the past. So his name, as you said, will always be a polarizing name. So maybe this is a, a transition government for us to see then someone mm -hmm. who can actually be little more center mm -hmm. and pleasing of more people in the population, because I don't think Lula will... He might succeed a little bit, but I don't think he'll ever be 100% mm -hmm. disassociated with mm -hmm. this kind of, of polarization. So well, what are the main kind of points on his agenda right now? I mean, despite that, you know, there is, is it like the crisis management or is it like something more that he would like to achieve? Because his previous presidency was well widely seen as kind of sharing the Gini, I think, coefficients like 0 0.59 mm -hmm. in Brazil is pretty high. And it's like, yeah. it seems that this social policy is an extremely important role. What do, do, what do you extend do you think he can try to, to do something similar, maybe in other areas as well? Or can he have like ambitious presidency or, or what you're saying would be that he can just try to limit the damage and, and just manage the country? No, I, I think uh, he actually has a very ambitious project uh, and he's trying to signal that as much as possible. Um, and just one 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 remark before I delve a little bit deeper into his uh, agenda. Uh, although Congress is more right wing, uh, the president of Congress, which I would say is the most powerful powerful person in Brazil, uh, <laughs> very yeah. quickly after the election uh, set the tone yes. in that he's willing to to work with Lula. On, uh, but on the the terms of the what, what we call the the wider center, right? That is this amorphous political uh, a mass that um, goes with the flow. So as long as Lula is willing to deal with in this um, very transactional relationship with uh, with Congress, 
um, I don't think Congress will be a major um, barrier to his success, as I was thinking before the, the election. So Arthur Lida, the president of Congress, I think was a very important signal. But then uh, talking about Lula's agenda, he's... Uh, the way he's trying to frame it is, uh, is as a, a big reconstruction, almost like a, a new deal. Uh, so one of the priorities for the beginning of for um, the beginning of his term is actually to uh, to invalidate many of Bolsonaro's uh, presidential decrees, especially on weapons, uh, carrying weapon, uh, and a few other policies that he's advanced. Uh, but also he he's bringing in very important people like Percio Adida and Delada Rezende, which are two of the economists that helped uh, Brazil recover from our uh, inflation crisis in the 90s. So these are majorly influential uh, economists that he, he's bringing back as a signal to the market, like to, to the capital markets. He's also bringing uh, Marina Silva, which is uh, was his... Uh, Minister of the Environment in the late 2000, in the early 2010s. And has uh, been a presidential candidate as well. Yeah, yeah. she's run, I think, two t twice. Yeah. Uh, very important environmentalist with a, a very internationally recognized view on how to do po policy in the Amazon, uh, the balancing development and sustainability. He's also ha He also has Simone Tebic, which is... Uh, was the um, the third candidate in uh, in this round? Third or fourth? Fourth. The fourth candidate yeah. yeah, after Sido. Uh, but the real promise in politics, uh, she was the candidate for the party that used to oppose Lula's party in the past when you still didn't have Bolsonaro. So they would be the main opposition and mm -hmm. have you know the the main uh, combats in in governments of national government. So it's really interesting. To, yes. see, to see Alchemy, which was also from that party in the vice presidency, and mm -hmm. to see Simone Tebic, yeah. who might be in mm -hmm. Lula's government. Yeah. And in this, so we can expect uh, a lot of uh, policy and sustainability and the Amazon. Also, one of the things that Bolsonaro did that, uh, in my opinion, was one of the worst policies he did was he completely... Um, we had the Bolsa Familia. It was this... The, one of the most important policies, uh, social policies in Brazilian history, extremely successful, uh, a model for other countries, and Bolsonaro changed it in a way that it became... You mean the cash transfers to the, the cash transfers, exactly. So it has a so. lot of conditionalities about uh, kids going to school, kids being vaccinated, the type of person who can receive the, the money and mm -hmm. how much, yeah. and then all of those were kind of taken out of mm -hmm. the equation. Yeah, so Lula signaled already that he, he's going back to the old formulation of the policy. Uh, also, he said that uh, uh, prior, priority number one is making sure that no student fa uh, faints of um, of hunger in school, yeah. which, he, uh, which Brazil was able to overcome during his uh, first terms, and now it's yeah. happening again. Hunger has been a, a big and also emotional, I guess, subject for everyone. So I think it's something that he might face in a very... Mm -hmm. uh, 
Okay. How about so you, you mentioned the thing that well many, for many for many people here is perhaps like issue number one with regard to Brazil, which is like Amazon and the environment. To what extent it was like the political de- the decision of Bolsonaro, and to what extent it is somehow popular that that people see in Brazil that Brazil cannot afford basically to to not develop uh, in sometimes unsustainable way Amazon region. It's uh, to what extent do you think that it was simply the kind of Bolsonaro unfriendliness, you know, towards this environmental issues? And to what extent do you think that simply many people in the country share his views? And to what extent Lula can turn it around or he would need like external support to, to actually do this? People do believe we need to tear down the Amazon to develop uh, some people. Yeah, <laughs> I some guess people. agribusiness <laughs> would, uh, some of agribusiness would uh, defend that position, but uh, a lot of experts actually say that's not sustainable long term, right? We were having big budgets from Europe to uh, take care of the Amazon. Marina Silva also has like a lot of policies on how we can uh, develop even science development from the Amazon. So there are a lot. There's a lot for you to take out of the Amazon without actually tearing it down. Uh, so I don't think it's a, a it's the actual trade off between economics and an environment is just how people chose to put it because, well, Brazil is a big uh, exporter of commodities, so it is a big share of our economy, but it can be done. I mean, Lula's government showed mm-hmm. that we were exporting, producing and taking care of the environment. So that's that is possible. So it's just, I think, pleasing that part of Brazil who really wants mm-hmm. to have that that land and, and stuff like that so yeah uh this this narrative uh that bolsonaro brings is actually a very old uh narrative that dates back at least from the uh, second half of the 19th century when uh, we had the explorations towards the center of the country in search of gold there was this idea that uh, brazil was a land of riches and we needed only explore uh the land to, to be prosperous it. yeah uh, and this comes and goes with time so uh, then again uh, in the early 20th century we had this uh, idea of uh, going north um, then in the in the 30s again and then in the uh, military dictatorship in the in the six, late 60s and 70s uh, so th- this is something that always comes back and and had and is part of the popular imaginary Lula, uh, in in his government, we if, if you look at the deforestation rates during his government, uh, it was growing exponentially in the beginning. But then uh, after they set, um, well, it was a, a set of different policies to protect the Amazon. We were able to drastically reduce um, the deforestation rates. Uh, so it's been done once. And most of the the picking up of the forestation rates in, in past years has been a lot more about not uh, enforcing, surveilling, and, and enforcing yeah. these policies uh, rather than, and also obviously the fact that Bolsonaro uh, uh, publicly su- uh, supports the the exploration. Um, and it's interesting how fake news are used about that because if you take all the the amount of deforestation that happened in Lula's government and Bolsonaro's government, there was more in Lula's government. But what's important is the tendency. So Lula got a legacy of big deforestation index and he made it go down. Bolsonaro got a really low one and made it go up. So that's the data, that's the impact 
their policies have, but people like to use the the concrete numbers to say that oh no, uh, Lula's was worse, which is not also not true. So fake news around all of that is just very uh, spread in Brazil right now. Right, yeah, I, I saw some report, I think, by Carter Group about uh, targeting actually during the campaign, especially Lula campaign with disinformation, which was widely spread. We are getting slowly to, to the end of our time. I thought uh, I will ask you two, two more questions. One will be about the impact on the on the foreign policy, especially you know climate agreements, but also. Uh, international cooperation. To what extent? Well, I think everyone has suspect that Lula will be much more uh, open to uh, international negotiations. Uh, how do you see this? How how we can see the, the Brazilian you know uh, foreign policy and and kind of uh, being present in the in the wider world could could change? And what would be his priorities? What would be the priorities for for this Lula's Brazil uh, now on? I think Lula was already invited to COP even with not being president yeah. yet. So that just goes to show how he's very skilled in foreign policy. But also Brazil was very well known <coughs> for its foreign policy about being third party in uh, negotiations by its cooperation agreements, by being able to get along with everyone. So it's a very strong foreign policy, even before Lula, very well known yeah. tradition. It's actually a long tradition that yeah. dates back to... Um, Barbosa, right? Yeah. Uh, in the beginning of the 20th century, this position of Brazil in the, yeah. in the international discourse. And our Ministry of Foreign Relations is one of the most professionalized and well-established. Of, of course, everyone has its issues, but it was known for its position and success in foreign policy. And then Bolsonaro had just very erratic foreign policy offending countries that we had economic relations to and well using these international spaces to promote himself yeah. to his supporter you remember in that uh un i don't remember exactly what was the event but then he he came just to speak to his public and most of the the, yeah. the international leaders that were there were not even understanding what, what yeah. he was talking it was just about very embarrassing a lot yeah. of foreign leaders wouldn't yeah. have bolsonaro and so it's it's just yeah. and all of them have recognized Lula's. And if, yeah, you have uh, Ukraine and Russia recognizing the results and Lula's victory. So like mm -hmm. it goes to show how. Do you yeah. think it will actually have an impact on on how Brazil is engaged or disengaged in a kind of uh, war in Ukraine energy crisis? Do you think that will have any impact on on those policies? I don't think it's. Uh, uh, it's not an issue, right? It's really yeah, yeah, it's not part of Brazilian uh, tradition. I, and yeah. I might be wrong here uh, to get involved in these types of conflicts. Maybe for, for mediation, yeah. that is, for example, what happened with uh, uh, Iran and the uh, US, when was it? 2012, maybe? Uh, that Brazil helped mediate the. Uh, um, the possibility that Iran uh, does enrichment of uranium. Uh, it was a very successful uh, mediation, but not really getting involved or making a political yeah. stance of we support this or that. But there, there's uh, just to, to bring this up, there's also some very controversial stances of the Labour Party uh, and Lula, of course, in, in terms of support to, to, to other countries, especially in the cases of, for example, uh, Venezuela and Cuba uh, governments. 
because they under the, the Labour Party has this idea that the left should be united in Latin America, and they don't acknowledge that some of these governments are autocratic governments. So th there's also a little bit of controversy on this aspect. I wanted to, on the, the last question, I want to add a more personal note. Uh, for what are your personal hopes for, for Brazil and your role after finishing the, the, the school here at Oxford? If you, if you want also to say a word or two what you guys been doing and what you plan to do, I suppose you, you might want to come back at some point at least to, to the country. So your personal hopes and personal engagement. Well, oh, this is hard. <laughs> yeah, supposed to be. No, I just Brazil. It's a it's a beautiful country. I mean, it, it, we have so much amazing people, amazing everything. So I just hope that we can go past this. Uh, we call it that politics is not football. So let's you know root for the World Cup, mm. have everyone together football, but face politics and public policy as it should be. It's complex. It's important and it's serious. So I hope we get out of this polarization environment and into and out of just simple communication with which has been working so it's not simple it's never going to be so i hope we get to actually make deep discussions about what we want for the country and start thinking about what future we want for it and not about what we do not want anymore because that should be passed by now and just see it go <laughs> even to go back to stuff we had before Bolsonaro's government. So uh, hunger, guns, uh, environment. So all of that is just really sad to see those happening again. So I just wish we could, could go back and then start developing from there. Um, science and technology investments, investments in education. I mean, there's a lot to, to look forward to, I guess. On a personal note, I do. Uh, I am going back to Brazil just after the masters. That's my my plan. I would love, well, to, to be able to contribute to that rebuilding of Brazil, I guess, uh, in civil society or inside the the public sector would be ideal. I hope that President Lula will be listening. You know. <laughs> That's my we, good we also professionals have, coming back. <laughs> uh, we also have just recent subnational governments elected, so mm -hmm. that's going to be rebuilding, I guess, for for everyone. Yeah, I, I before the election, I was terrified, uh, very pessimistic, especially after the first round in which we saw the new composition of Congress. But uh, in, in Brazil, we have a saying, uh, sort of something along the lines of dead king, set king, <laughs> uh, which really talks to, to the moment that we're living. Uh, so, for example, two minutes after uh, the results were out, Artulida stepping in to, to acknowledge the victory and saying that he would be uh, willing to, to cooperate with the government. Um, and this, uh, frankly, beautiful movement of bringing together people that back in the day used to, to be considered opposition. So Geraldo Alckmin, the vice president, and Lula were opposing parties, uh, and now they are, they are together in government, uh, really makes me optimistic about the future. Uh, that is not to say that I don't have concerns, but at least now we are, um, uh, two things are happening. The first one is that we are able now to to have a, a constructive dialogue again, which we were not for we have not been able to in the past for the past four years. And the second thing is that uh, now we have a government that will 
I hope so, at least do things, actually. Yeah. Uh, ma- actually maybe be able to work. Yeah, <laughs> they, they might not be the best policy. I have a big concern in terms of uh, monetary policy and fiscal policy because uh, um, Lula's proposal, uh, proposals are extremely expensive and we're coming from uh, the, the COVID crisis and also uh, Bolsonaro's uh, uh, insane tr- attempt to, to buy out uh, uh, votes. I'm very, very optimistic about the recovery of our institutions. Can I add one little thing before I go to your personal Mm -hmm. uh, final? Uh, I think some things we haven't commented on, but that Bolsonaro's government really took a toll on was uh, underrepresented groups. So just the narrative Mm -hmm. and the whole um, just aggressive discourse, but also actual things happening to, you know, uh, LGBTQ rights and uh, gender issues and race issues and just underrepresented groups. So I hope we can go back to having or start to build a nation that's more inclusive and have has everyone at the table, because I think that was also very, very mm-hmm. a bad impact of Bolsonaro's government in Brazil. Absolutely. And one sentence about your next step yeah, in, so, in Brazil. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think that uh, immediately after here, I'll still be out of Brazil for probably a couple of years, but then in the mid run, definitely want to go back and help uh, rebuild, um, rebuild our country and, and make sure it's back on track for our, for development, be it in the civil society or in the government. Let's just hope that first of all you make the impact that well you deserve and Brazil deserves that such people would come back and and then change it. I think it will be much easier with Lula in charge in the long term, and also that uh, well Brazilian Brazil politics in Brazil will be as successful as as the uh, as it's in football, and <laughs> fingers crossed for for both. Thank you so much, uh, Cecilia Vitor, for for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you Thank for you having Mashek. us. Yeah, thank you. Being here. It's been Liberal Europe. Thank you guys for listening. I think it's been very interesting to get uh, a little bit of the outside perspective um, and especially for a country of that importance as as Brazil. Thank you. Uh, please tune in for uh, Ricardo next week. Until two weeks, goodbye. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. And if you like what we are doing and want to help spreading the liberal values, please give us a five-star review and share with your friends.